This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, D bounce back and a hiccup for United. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. I'm Tom Duffy. Joining me on the podcast as usual, Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. You and Smith. Hello, how are you doing? And a very strange looking George Cran. Oh, I know what it is. He's got a smile on his face. George! I know. So strange. (laughs) It's been a while for a smile. Seems only right there for that. We'll start with Dundee. You were there, George. Well, well... I saw James McPake saying well done to the team after the disastrous result against Ross County last week. Should we maybe say well done to James McPake? Because he's the one who had to lift them as a collective. I think so. And he got all the big big decisions right as well because he made some big ones for leaving Lee, Lee Griffiths and Jason Cummings out. Griffiths is obviously the... We know what I suppose we, we should say they beat St. Murren 1-0 for anybody who, yeah, right. anyone who was too and scared was to watch. Compl- it was a completely different Dundee team, basically. Uh, the way that, even though a lot of the players were the same as Wednesday night, they told, they went about their business completely differently. You could tell they were hurting after the the county game. And I would hope they were hurting. Yeah, hope their backsides were sore. <laughs> he took some amount of flack um, after that as well, and he he took it in the chin to be fair to him. Um, I'm sure he. He would have had a wee worry in, in his mind about how his team would would react on Saturday. I'm sure any manager would in that situation, but you could see they were absolutely playing for him uh, in the way they went about things. As, as I say, it was, it was just totally different all around. The attitude was spot on. He changed the tactics a bit. He pushed Paul McGowan further up. He was playing him behind the striker. Killian Sheridan played, which is a surprise. Um... But he did very well uh, until it was, unfortunately got injured, um, and it turned. It was basically it was pretty much a perfect away performance for a team like Dundee that's, that's near the bottom of the table. Defended really well, took the chance when it came, and to get a clean sheet after shipping five going on six, seven, eight Ross County. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, beer. As George says, pretty much a perfect away performance. Is it is the frustrating thing that they, they need to find consistency? And you can maybe say that about the team and the manager, because when he gets it right, he can get results. I mean, we saw the playoffs, the playoff final against Kilmarnock mm-hmm. last season. Dundee dominated both legs. Great point and deserved one at Hearts. Great victory at St. Mirren. And that's that's what he's got to remember and the team have got to remember the things they did in those games. Absolutely. Absolutely, Tom. And uh, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head right at the start. James McPeak deserves a great deal of credit. Um, we spoke about this last week. He's, his Jack has been on a surely peg at Dens on numerous occasions at times, but each time he, he he's he's risen to the cause. And, and you know, I think there's a, there's a, a long screw uh, nailed into the wall on that peg this week, certainly. Um, yeah, they need to get that out of their system. But uh, you cannot overstate how big a result that was for them on, on Saturday 
following the, the demoralising 5-0 five, five reverse to the team at the bottom of the league. To turn that around in 40 hours speaks volumes of the, of the manager and the players, the way, the way they cajoled themselves into that. And as I said to you it's prior to, to the start today, that unfortunately I wasn't at the game. It's one of the few games I've missed, but I, fortunately I was able to get a stream. And a very good stream it was from St Mirren Pay-Per-View TV. Um, and they were very fair, I've got to say, on, on commentary. Um, the girl and, and the guy who was speaking, I couldn't, the, the analysis, I, 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 I couldn't get his name. I recognised the face and the voice initially. But then it came to me, it was Campbell Money. And they were incredibly unbiased and they were very sort of gracious to Dundee. You know, and, and the fact, because a lot of these streams you watch, the, you know, they're, they're, they're totally biased for, the, for their own club, which is fair, fair dues. But uh, Campbell Money's analysis and, you know, judgment of the game was very good and I thought he was very fair. And the team, as for Dundee, watching it, you don't get the same, watching it on, on, on the TV, obviously, you don't get the, the, the same impact and you don't see the whole the whole picture, obviously. It's but for warmer. me, one thing that, well, yeah, it is, I'll say that. I found one that thing out. I noticed, the one thing I noticed straight away, Tom, was the players were running. Every yeah. Dundee player I saw in that park was running. I looked at guys like Paul McMullen, he was going up and down the park. I was looking at guys like Luke McKibben, he's running up and down the park. Max Anderson, he's running up and down the park. Paul McGowan, as George says, playing in a more advanced role, but still running about. Cillian Sheridan up top, running all over the place. Charlie Adam wasn't running. We're not going to be ridiculous, he wasn't running about. No. But of all these guys, of all these guys are running. Yeah, but of all these guys are running, Tom, Charlie Adam doesn't have to run. They're doing his work for him and, and they were... They were hunting all over the par- all over the park in packs for the ball, and it was a tremendous, a tremendous all-round performance. I've got to mention the defence and goalkeeper. A lot of people thought James McPeak should should have switched things at the back. He didn't. He showed great faith in them, and they repaid that faith with an outstanding display, uh, individually and collectively. Cami Kerr was absolutely outstanding at right back. A lot of people question Cami Kerr and what he offers going forward, but forget what he offers defensively. And he you kept a guy on the left-hand side, Scott Tancer, really quiet. Scott Tancer's a dangerous player going up and down that left-hand side. Kami Kerr kept him quiet for the majority of that game. And anything that went into the box, the two centre-halves, Sweeney and Ashcroft, you know, got their head on it first and, and, and cleared their lines. And, and so I think, I think uh, I mean, Curtis Main got the hook and, and they kept him in Brophy very quiet as well. I mean, even Brophy's a handful as well, an international striker. So well done to Dundee, you know, an all-round uh, top top performance. I really, really needed that, and that'll give them that'll give them uh, terrific, terrific uh, confidence going forward, shall we say? One thing I will say yet again, as a Dundee supporter, when you're you're hanging on for a result, when the referee uh, the, the assistant holds up the board and has got seven minutes on it, I mean somebody I out there done somebody out there. I mean, I mean that was that was if you look at the Aberdeen game, it was nine minutes. Hearts at Tynecastle, seven minutes, and now. St Martin's seven minutes. I mean, it's no good for the ticker, Tom. Uh, it's no, the referees no good for Dundee <laughs> games get paid by the minute or something like that. They last forever. <laughs> I know, but they got there. That was the main thing. Yeah, they've almost played an extra half hour to every other team in the past. Yeah, three, I know. Three games. So they must be fit anyway. Uh, but no, a great you know, result. You're right about the, the back line there. Because Adam Langston didn't really have to do anything, which no. tells you how, how well the two in front of him, particularly the, the four, the, including the fullbacks, protected him because he had what, one save where he pushed it behind in the second half, and I think nothing else really. Simon pushed and put pressure on, but Dundee dealt with pretty much everything that, that came their way. And the goal that won the points, George Max Anderson, a finish that suggests he's, he, he, 
he's not a player that he's probably never be sort of unless he starts scoring every other week. He's not a player that you look at and think of goals. He provides great energy, great work. He does a lot of the ugly work, as they like to say. But the finish suggests there could be there could be more of those to come from him. I think so. I think he's a cracking, cracking young player. Although saying that, speaking to Paul McGowan after the game, he, he uh, kind of joked that um, when the ball ball fell to Max Anderson, he wasn't getting ready to celebrate, is the way he put it. He was maybe he season in training. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to be fair to Maxi himself, he he said uh, that a few times I've I've put the laces through it in that situation, and it's gone over the stand or in, over the bar quite clearly. So it was really assured the way he stuck it away. And I think uh, I was looking back at his goals last season, and every time he's scored, Dundee have won. That's five five goals he's got now in the past couple of seasons. So. He's a good luck charm, I would say, as well. Um, I think they really missed him against Ross County because he does bring really great energy. Um, I was going to say, obviously, if he if he scores in the win, if he scores, there's a better chance of winning. But is there not just a better chance of them winning when he plays because of the energy he brings to the team? And Bear mentioned there, Charlie Adams not going to run about. So you need good legs in yeah. that midfield when Charlie Adams playing and does a very good job with the ball at his feet. Anderson gives that, he provides that, doesn't he? He, he does, and he's, he's very good on the ball as well, he's, he's close controls sometimes it looks like it's uh, more fortunate than than meant, but it really isn't it, the ball seems to stick to his feet uh, and he's a great lad he's a big Dundee fan as well he can, he's um, if he cut me, he'd bleed dark blue he, he said that he was at the uh, Spironi testimonial watching Charlie Adam a few years ago and now he's Playing with Charlie Adam, he's absolutely loving life, um, and he's got a real future, I think, as well. Uh, Paul McGowan again was saying that he should have been in the under twenty one squad, which he was left out after getting called up uh, a couple of months ago. And I agree with that. I, th- I think if he starts scoring goals, then Scott Gilmore can't really ignore him. I don't think. Beer, particularly with Sean Burnout till Christmas, uh, at least, is Anderson actually a? a very important player to Dundee just now because of that. I mean, he, as George says, he's got lots of attributes. I'm not pretending he can't play football, but his energy, because Burn provides that as well, which is always a big thing when you've got a Charlie Adam in your team. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And, and I'd add, on top of that, term, he, he, he's got goals in him. As George says, Sean Burn very rarely scores. I mean, George will be able to give me Sean Burn's stats for scoring for Dundee, but I can't remember him. I don't think he scored. scored either, so... You know he's not got much to beat, to be fair. So, but I think I think I think Anderson is prepared to have a pop at the goal, as you saw on on Saturday there. I think what you've got to watch for there was a wee dip in form. I, I think you saw him going out of the team. I don't think he had a great derby when at Tannadice. Um I don't think he played well against Rangers at Dens. So you you got to remember with young lads, they will have dips in form, and that's when the manager's got to make the call. You know to to maybe take him out and and, and give him a wee sort of couple of games on the bench and, and get him going again but yeah there, there's a bright future for that lad and as you saw on, on Saturday you know he can be a, a very important player for Dundee going forward um, with his energy his drive and, and quite possibly his goals as well you and to bring you in here sorry George I was just going to bring you in because he's looking a bit lonely but we will get to speak more later but just, <laughs> oh, I just, just like listening to positivity uh, I'm happy uh, to listen uh, to uh, being you happy. like to be happy but all, all I was uh, what I was thinking there Bear said and quite rightly, you know, young players, 
can have dips in form and you've got to watch that. But is the situation will burn out that the manager might have to go to Max Anderson and say, son, I know you might have a dip in form once or twice <laughs> a season, but you can't have it for the next couple of months. Yeah, I, I actually disagree with Bear when he said he didn't have a great derby, to be honest with you, because I'm actually sitting here when you're talking, taking notes down, and I think in the first half of the Show derby... Off. I, no, no. I think I think he bossed uh, Callum Butcher in the first half of the derby. I actually think that no, you're actually, he con- you know what you, you are you're, you're correct. Butcher went off a half time, didn't he? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think like, no, I yeah, think that like was you, the reason why. I think like, it was yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think Max Anderson had run him out, and I think that that actually and in a bizarre sort of way though that transformed the derby because then Dylan yeah. Levitt came on and then alongside Fuchs he started to dictate play. I'm a big fan of Max Anderson from what I've seen. I've obviously I've only seen him on clips and TV and a few times in, in person, but I'm a big fan of him. I think he's, like George says, I mean, the fact that you, you cut him and he's, and it's dark blue blood, you know he's going to give everything for the cause. He looks a very assured, composed player. He looks like one of these players that sort of plays the game beyond his years, I think, a little bit, you know, when he's on the ball. And I've, I've got absolutely no doubts that he can come in and do a real job for, for Dundee over the next few months. And I'm totally with George. It's... It's, it's a real shame for him that he's not in the under-21 squad because I've watched the Scotland under-21 games and I think that he could slot into that midfield no problems for Scotland. And and he's probably more of a regular first-team starter than some of the midfielders are in that Scotland under-21 side. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't have any qualms about him playing. This might just be his moment for the next few months. This might be when he really grows up and really uh, grows into the player that he's undoubtedly capable of being. And I'm just thinking about the Dundee situation in general just now and being the incredibly happy negative person that I am. The Ross County game last midweek still casts a big shadow or a dark cloud or whatever over it. But George, it's actually a decent run now that Dundee are on. If Dundee replicate the form of the last four games for the rest of the season... One in four game is going to be a nightmare to watch for the fans, but they're picking <laughs> up points, and that's what you. And, and sometimes is it is it maybe maybe not in the style of play, but is it maybe that sort of Bielsa philosophy of you'll get a beating, you'll you'll get four or five every every four or five games, you'll get a, a nightmare result, but if you're picking up points, if you're picking up seven points from the three games either side. Job's done. Yeah, all or nothing. To be, but that's what actually thinking back to the start of the season when they they drew to each for St Mirren and then they, I think they drew to each for Hibs and it looked like all season it was just going to be end to end stuff. We we have a go, you have a go. Goals going on both ends and then Dundee kind of lost their way in terms of their time. They couldn't get a goal at all. Saturday wasn't like that, but it feels like it could be the case going forward. Seven points out of twelve, the past four is is the kind of form that will keep you up quite easily. Um, so that yeah, it's I think there was a, obviously there was a lot of anger and stuff after the Ross County. It was understandable just the manner of the defeat and the performance. Well, as Paul McGowan said, if nobody had turned up on Saturday in the way in, yeah. they couldn't complain. I know it was there was a decent wee following. It wasn't the biggest I've ever seen at Simon, but that anyone turned up showed that there's loyalty there, no, no matter what, and they, that was that was rewarded with with a 
a really good performance and a great win. Um, they've had, looking at the table, it's also stuck them right. They're still in second last, but they're only five points off the top top half. Yeah, I mean, look at Aberdeen. Are. Aberdeen have suddenly burst into the top six when when they lost it. When they lost it, Dens, everybody was calling for the manager's head. I know. I think it's going to be one of those seasons for the the entire league that everyone beats everyone. And it's going to be really, really close. Getting that four point gap on Ross County is handy uh, with their game getting called off. I'm, I'm sure they weren't too happy with that the the way they played last week. Um, Celtic next, though, we can't really expect much out of that, but we should expect a a similar type of performance to the to the, the Simmering game in in terms of the way they they go about stopping the opposition and getting themselves about the pitch and doing all all those kind of the hard stuff that um, you need to do when you're playing Celtic. But it, you look back at the Rangers game and and they really give Rangers a game that day. So interested to see how they go about it, but. More of the same, I, w- I would say, in that front. And then after the international break, we kind of get into a really busy month and uh, interesting to see how they do before January. Uh, you and George says here you can't expect much from the Celtic game, which is, generally speaking, a fair fair point. But you saw United get a deserved draw at Parkhead. I know it's at, it's at Dens this weekend. Livingston held Celtic at Parkhead. I, I, saw, I saw a headline, I've not read the article, I, Joe Miller saying Celtic are a team that are frustrated too easily by deep lion side. So there's some reason to believe that you can, if you can hold, if you can hold out, you know, for a period of time early in the game, you can take something from Celtic. Yeah, there's probably two points here. I know Dundee lost six 0 when they played at Celtic Park earlier in the season, and that was like the sort of the announcement of Kyogo to Scottish football. I think that day, and George was at that game, but. The deep lying thing, Dundee United weren't actually deep lying in their game against Celtic. The thing is, uh, Dundee United actually imposed their own game on Celtic and impressed Celtic. And I think that can be a little bit of a key to Celtic because I, I still, even though Celtic's defensive record actually on paper is the best in the country now, so we can't really say that too much about it. I still think that if you harry that defence, that you know they, they might just get a little bit careless with the ball at the back. Um, but yeah. I don't know if it's it's a tough one playing against Celtic, but it is almost a free hit because the fans are not expecting anything at all out of the game. But if they put in the level of performance that, that obviously they did at St Mirren at the weekend and Celtic have an off day, then you never know if they can they can maybe sneak something against Celtic because I don't think Celtic or Rangers are firing on full cylinders at all. I think that they're they're unreliable in a lot of games, so um, if they turn up with an off day, then Dundee just maybe might sneak something. And uh, just to round off the Dundee, uh, too much positivity here, George. Bad news for Kelly and Sheridan. That's a that's a long term one. Yeah, it's um, if we see him again this season, I think it'd probably be a a positive. Um, he was good as well. That's the most frustrating. He's done a job every season. time he's come on in games, so he was maybe uh, due a start. He's been improving and improving uh, as the weeks have gone. That was only his second start. His, his first start was uh, in that game at Celtic Park, which I'm sure he won't remember either uh, very well. But um, well, he, he really must have watched a lot of it in that game at Celtic Park. <laughs> <laughs> he put himself about on Saturday. He was, he was up against the back three, uh, kind of by himself, but he, he occupied them all. 
pretty much. Did that Harps when he came on, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's he looks like a old fashioned target man, but he can run. He's 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 a strong runner, uh, and and he he did a lot of that good stuff for Dundee. Got them up the pitch, and then the injury it was just a strange situation because the Jack Anik came flying out his goal, um, right out to the wing, and I think he just about got the ball out for a throw in, and the goalie was still miles. Miles in no man's land, and I think Luke McCown took the throw and threw it to Killian Sheridan, who was actually a goal side of the goalie. And I think I don't know whether he's just trying to do it too quickly or whatever, but it just kind of crumpled in a heap. Um, the manager said after the game he felt like somebody had kicked him uh, in the back of the leg, but hadn't happened. But and then a ruptured Achilles, Achilles is, is it's, yeah. it's not something you come back from quickly, unfortunately. No. But anyway, it was no, it was nice to have a nice chat about uh, a Dundee victory. Sorry, you, and that's all we've got time for this week. No, I'm only kidding. We'll be back in a minute with United. Right, Ewan. Last week, I was ultra confident of a United victory against St. Johnson, but I forgot about Xander Clark, didn't I? Yeah, am I supposed to be depressed this week because Dundee United never won? Is that is that what we normally do? Is it? Ah, there's no there's there's no grey in in your adopted area, Ewan. It's black or white. All right, so it's not it's, it's a not lighter start disaster. Off, it's not that we start off with all the happy people for the first twenty minutes and cheer everybody up and then depress them halfway through the <laughs> the show. No, right? I'll, t- I'll, I'll I, I think depressed. that's a, I think that's a dig at us. No, 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 not at all. I was just, it was great I'm not to saying it's to unfair. But... <laughs> to, be, to be fair, it's usually the whole hour is miserable. I, I could be miserable for more than half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to be depressed. You'll be surprised to know. Um, I think uh, the, I was looking at the stats for the game at the weekend and, and they bore out what I actually saw in person. Dunn United were a bit pedestrian, weren't at their best in the first half and they had made changes. They had brought, um, they, I think Tam Course wanted to freshen things up and give people an opportunity. So he brought in Louis Aperi. Um, he, he, he brought in Logan Chalmers. He also brought in Kerr Smith and he brought Jando Fuchs back. So so they dropped two of their, probably two of their key players this season, Niskanen and Pollock, were dropped to the bench for the first half. And it didn't really work out for Dundee United, to be honest with you. I think Chalmers and Aperi are both very talented players who have got a great future in the game, but I don't think Saturday was their, their day. I mean, I looked at the stats and Logan Chalmers touched the ball 13 times in the first half, which isn't really a lot. And that's not necessarily his fault. You know, the ball maybe wasn't getting to him. But the second half, what a difference when Niskanen and Pollock came on. I mean, 15 shots on goal Dundee United had in the second half and you can't legislate, as you point out, for a goalkeeping performance of that standard from Xander Clark. I mean, after the game, Peter Pollock said that 90 minutes alone should be enough to get Xander Clark into the, the Scotland squad. And I know we are not a St Johnston podcast, but any football fan can see that Xander Clark's good enough to be a Scotland goalkeeper. And uh, when it's you a come mystery, up against isn't it? It is a mystery. I mean, it's... I'm I'm baffled. I, I, it's not even as if it's the first time we've seen Zander Clark do that in a game. You know, he does it game after game after game. He wins big games for for St Johnston. But as Tam Kurtz pointed out, because he was keen, he was quick to 
to praise Ander Clark, but also point out that they've got a goalkeeper of, of a similar stature. Seagrass can win games for Dun United like that as well. Um, and that's the the key difference when you've got a goalkeeper that they can make the saves that you would expect them to make, but then makes the top level saves that just that win you the points. And Xander Clark's like that, so's Benji C. Kristen. That's why they're two of the best keepers in the country. And Bear, as as you said there, uh, Tam Coates made a made a couple of changes. Now I come to you uh, intentionally because, like myself, you're a, an elder statesman. Shall we say it'd be nice to each other? It sometimes occurs to me, especially with younger managers, they'll look at what the top managers are doing and they try to mirror it. But if you're Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola and you've got 25 international players to pick from, you can rotate your squad. It was a big call leaving out mm-hmm. Pollock and, and Niskanen at the start, wasn't it? The, the, the provincial club managers, as I say, often the younger ones, sometimes forget that they don't have the same depth of squad. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was a big call, but then who are we? Everything Tom Coates has done this season has turned to gold. Everything he has done, he's made changes all over the park and everything seems to have worked. But on this occasion, it didn't. But the fact that, you know, they're sitting quite pretty, you know, the fans will cut him a bit of slack on that. I think it was interesting he said that, you know, he was he was keen to, uh, you know, I think he said he keen to test the depth of his squad. Yeah. And I think he was also quoted as saying that uh, there was a few uh, so uh, I know questions what the fuck answered. So the Scottish if, if, Cups for yeah. when you get Alawa, yeah, no, Alawa or you get yeah. breaking away, say. I think he said there was a few questions answered after the game, but unfortunately he didn't expand on that to say exactly what the answers were. You know, I think probably he'll look at it and go, I have to look a bit closer before I start throwing these sort of boys in again. That, that, that's the thing. But then you've got to look at, at the opposition, Tom. St Johnston, you know, United had a brilliant, brilliant win up there earlier on in the season. Peter Paul got the goal. Um, St Johnston have come back and levelled it up. St Johnston are a top, top side. I think we've seen that. You talk about Xander Clark. I was never a big fan of Xander Clark. I don't know what it is about, about the lad. He just looks so awkward. I always thought, you and that, you know, even me, the goalkeepers, you know, I always thought he was a lucky goalkeeper. He did things awkwardly. He came out, he stopped the ball with his foot, he stopped the ball with his, you know, he, he cleared it with his knee, he punched balls away, the hit him in the... But you can't be lucky all the time. I think the fact the fact is, this lad is a great, great keeper. You know, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. He, and he, he performs, he always performs well against Dundee. You see him perform well against United and might go... Why do you always perform so well against these two? But it's no, he's doing it against everybody week in, week out, and he absolutely should be in the Scotland squad. And it goes, I'm afraid it goes back to the club you're at and not how you're performing. I still yeah. think there is, and and Steve Clark, as much as he would deny this, I still think there is a case if you're at one of the provincial clubs and certainly at St Johnston, if Sander Clark had been playing for Aberdeen, Hibs or Hearts, he would be in that Scotland squad. I've no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, but all he can do is just keep performing for it for his club, and it was a great, it was a great individual performance from from him. Um, a great performance from St Johnson. We know they've got that; they, they can they can see games out one 0 Dundee United have, have had that this season. We spoke about United uh, last week regarding how they weren't prolific scorers, you and you know, but the, what they had been doing is getting goals from all over the park. The defenders would weigh in at important times. The midfielders would come up with a goal here and there. On Saturday, it just didn't happen, and, and and they got done. But you know, Tam Court shouldn't be too disappointed with it. You know, with it, with it, the way things are going, I think they just need to get themselves back on back on the bus. They've got a big game at Tynecastle on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure they'll rise to the occasion for that one. Yeah, you because I mean one thing, United going ahead as well as their good form. It, like you say, it was 
Tam Courts was probably more critical than you've been today about the first half, but it was pedestrians probably a great description for the first half, and they played well in the second half. So they should be disappointed rather than despondent about the result, shouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the way they walked off the park against Tibbs in the Premier Sports Cup. See, I gave it this full title again. Um, they, they walked off the One second half of that game. Here, I'm sure. <laughs> no, they, 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 it, was, it mirrors that, you know, the first half against Hibernian, they were really poor and they let themselves down. I wouldn't say they were really poor on Saturday, but they weren't at their standards that they've set that season. But the second half was so much better. And the fans really stuck behind, stuck with them, you know. And I, I noticed at the end of the game, Niskanen obviously is determined to become a fan's favourite because every other Dundee United player was well up the tunnel at that stage. And Niskanen probably applauded every single Dundee United fan that, was, that waited behind to, to applaud them off the park. The fact that the fans didn't um, turn against the team at the end of the game suggests that they understand that the performance level in the second half was much higher. And if they can take that level of second half performance into Tyne Castle, then they've got a great chance. That's going to be a great game, though. I mean, Hearts have been fantastic, you know, and um, I saw Hearts beat Dundee United at Tannadice 2 0 early in the season, and they were the better side, but I think 2 0 again was maybe a little bit a little bit fortunate for Hearts. And and again, we had Craig Gordon in goals making wonder saves now. We're talking about Xander Clark being in the Scotland squad. I'm not for a second suggesting he should be Scotland's number one. I don't believe that. I think I still think Craig Gordon's next level again. But um, when you're coming up against keepers of that go- that that standard, then it's very difficult. Ah, and George, we say to stray back to Xander Clark. Do you have to be aware as well that the goalkeepers, Craig Gordon, they're not young. The ones that have been playing for Scotland in the last couple of years, so you should almost be grooming uh, somebody to, I don't know, uh, grooming's a bad word. You should be grooming a younger man and face the jail term that that brings. No, um, but they should be working on a, a slightly younger keeper and, and Xander Clark, as Bear says, he's, he's, he's had to earn his place at St. Johnson. Never mind. I mean, remember he had a, a, a a fracas with Neil McCann a couple of seasons back because he was the reserve goalkeeper, but he's produced a level of consistency. And if it's not if it's not him, we should maybe be looking at the future a bit for the number three jersey, as it were, in the Scotland goalkeeper pool. Certainly an opportunity coming along the line. Uh, what age is Craig Gordon now? He's Late 30s now. 58. I think he's 38. 38. <laughs> I think Santa Clark's 29 as well. Yeah, and and so it's a good age. Yeah, George will, uh, uh, Bear will probably say that it's a decent age for a goalkeeper. Yeah. That's probably at the peak. Bear yeah, thought 40 so. was a decent age for a yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go on forever. I, I think Craig Gordon still looks fit enough as, well, uh, as if he it, could go yeah. on for a, a wee while. Yeah, but yeah, 29 is a great age for a keeper. Great age. Yeah. But I think there is an opportunity coming. John McLaughlin, I think, is probably the next in line. He's been playing a fair bit for Rangers. Um, Liam Kelly is probably Xander's straight uh, competitor, isn't he? But he, he conceded six on on Sunday. So if you compare those two performances, you pick Xander, don't you? Um, I've he's played for Queen of the South for a couple of years on loan, so I've always been a fan. That <laughs> so he's that? English, George. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no. Uh, so I've, I've, I've you're English, though, aren't you? Him. No. 
Dumfries is England. There's nothing wrong with being English, but no. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being English. But if you're but if you're not Scottish, you're gonna find it quite hard to play for Scotland. <laughs> anyway, you and Stain were Stain were goalkeepers, but moving back to United because this is the United section. Uh, reports that they're, they're, they're trying to persuade Seagrass to stay, also speaking to Harks, Fuchs, and a few of their younger ones about new contracts. Might yeah, they, might have a job with Seagrass. I think they will have a job with Seagrass. There's no doubts about that. But there's still a there's still a part of me, and I disagree with a lot of my colleagues on this. There's still a little part of me that thinks that if Dundee United have a really successful season, that Benji, out of all the players that are out of contract, might decide to stay on a bit longer if there's some sort of a release clause or, or agreement in place that if a club comes in with a certain offer then they'll let him go um, he seems he seems like a, a, a player that's quite content where he is but he's obviously he's not had the he's not had the opportunity to move yet or it's not come across but I still think that he might potentially out of the three we're talking about I think Jandel Fuchs is going to be a very difficult one to hang on to um, Ian Hart's he he might well stay. He's he, although he's probably hit peak form at the moment. You know he's probably playing the best football that he's played at Dundee United. So it's whether or not he decides that that's enough to to keep him at Dundee United, or does he take an opportunity? I think he's twenty five, so that's the kind of age you start to think. Well, am I going to move on? Am I going to am I going to test myself at a different level? But in terms of the other players, I mean the young there's four young players have been offered contracts as well. So a Perry who played at the weekend um, has been offered a deal. Um, Chris Mockery, who made his first Dun United start against Hearts earlier in the season, has been offered a deal. Archie Mikkelsen and uh, Lewis Nielsen. Um, and Nielsen has spent a long time out on loan, and Mikkelsen was highly regarded when he came in last season. So I think, on one hand, Dun United are trying to put the building blocks in so that the young players stay um, and they have that solid f- uh, foundation in place and they protect their assets, but they are also trying to convince players like Fuchs and Seagrist um, to, to stay on longer and Tam Kurtz was very open about it last week, he thinks that if he can create a special environment um, where players are happy, where they're successful, then maybe they'll just stay a bit longer. And Bear, when the team's going well, it's a good time for a manager to start speaking to people about extending contracts because they've got a happy... Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is, yeah, you put the contract under their nose, but as well as that Tom. What Dundee United have done in the first quarter of the season is almost, I mean, I don't want to tempt fate here, but they've almost guaranteed themselves Premier League football next season, which means they can look at Premier League budgets as well. They know that income is coming in, so they could budget for that. Now, they can actually go to their players and say, we can offer that, we can offer this cash. A lot of clubs aren't in that position yet, and we wouldn't be putting any contracts out at this stage of the season because they're not sure what division they're going to be in. And I speak about my own club from that point of view, you know, it's... Uh, um, so United are in quite a good position here and it's good to see that you've, I didn't realise that they'd offer contracts as, as well as the, the, you know their first team stars effectively they're offering contracts to quite a few of the young lads as well which is which is good to see and encouraging to see you just wonder you know like like we've said about Benji um, he's another one with international ambitions um, the only thing I could see him staying at United for is if they do like you say you and if, if they were to get themselves into a European slot, which yeah. would offer him the opportunity to play European football next season, which he might not get going to another club. I mean, if you go down to England and, you, and you're playing in the Championship or even lower than that, you're not going to be playing in the Europa League, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might tempt him to stay on a bit longer, as you say, with maybe some caveat in the, in the contract that, you know, if something did come in, 
Um, but it's a good position for the club to be in. That they are in a position to actually offer contracts, Tom, after sort of two years of pandemic, yeah. and we've seen the financial implications of that. So United can be quite happy where they're sitting at them at this point in time. And for uh, any United fans about to complain that Bear was being unnecessarily pessimistic there by mentioning that they probably <laughs> won't get relegated, I, I, I would just enlighten them. Between Didn't want to from from yeah. a in. In my early days when Jim McLean was manager, sometime between the end of January and the beginning of March, usually, depending on how things were going, because United were always in the top half of the table, one day you would go up there and he would be happy and he would say, that's us, we can't be relegated. Now, he very rarely finished outside of the top four, often higher than that. <laughs> but he's, he always said his first aim each season was to get enough points to mean that they couldn't be relegated and it's always it's always good to plan to plan for the worst and build on that <laughs> it's called a foundation yeah but I, anyway I now united uh, i've actually i've actually remarkably forgotten who united are playing on saturday now and it's written down the jambos so, uh, it's hearts, hearts. we're just speaking about it too. that's an Aye. age thing well, I was, uh, we were saying what a great game it's going to be and I'm thinking yeah. what, what, what was the great game we were speaking about a big test and even after a defeat I don't I don't know that Hearts will be 100% confident uh, hosting United on Saturday no year. no well they lost to Aberdeen at the weekend as well so um, the both sides are going into it in the back of a defeat and um, Dun United are taking a great support with them within the confines of, of what you can take these days so they, they sold out uh, their, they had two batches of tickets they sold out their second batch in under 90 minutes which is always a great headline when it's under 90 minutes um, so they've got they've got around about 1200 supporters will be going down to Tynecastle. I think they probably could have taken 2000, 2000 plus down there because they had they had close on 2000 at Livingston the other night um, so that's going to make a great occasion because we know the Hearts fans turn out in numbers. They they sell in excess of ten thousand season tickets, and it's a brilliant football stadium, isn't it? I mean, it's it's. I think I think football fans. I mean, Bear Bear obviously goes to a mm. lot of games. Yeah, it's probably up there is probably the favourite away day for so many supporters. You know, because you're you're right on the pitch. Um, the atmosphere is incredible usually at Tyne Castle. And both sides are going really, really well. I think it's going to be a cracking football match. And I can't really call it, to be honest with you. I'm always Mr. Optimistic and I think United might sneak it 1-0 or something. But it's it's going to be a fantastic football match. And I'll get to see John Souter up close and to see exactly whether the I'm right comparison. about Charlie Mulgrew. Yeah, exactly. Steve Clark so. phoning you at 6 o'clock on Saturday night to get your verdict on <laughs> Mulgrew and Souter. Yeah, I'll be too late by that stage, won't it? Because I mean, by the time this podcast listening, everybody will know that who's in the squad and who's not in. And I think you know, in all likelihood, they might both be in. You never know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll and he see. could just pick one and say to them, "By the way, if the other one plays better, you're pulling out on Saturday night with an injury." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're both, they're both great defenders, and they both and they've both contributed enormously to to great defensive records for both sides and I think that that's what that's what the foundation has been built on for both teams this season has they've been very strong at the back and then they've, they've gone forward so um, but yeah a, a cracking football match looking at again looking we, we look at these Opta stats and from an attacking sense I think that Dundee United's front three um, have performed better on paper than, than Hearts have in terms of 
the chances they've created. Um, I think uh, Niskanen, only two players have created more golden chances than uh, Niskanen this season. I think uh, Tavernier and Ramsey are the two players um, from, from Aberdeen that have created more. And Paul has created 19, had 19, 19. Did you swallow a book of stats for breakfast this morning, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just trying my best. I'm trying my best, but I think I think on paper their, their, attack, their attack has worked better. So it's whether Dundee United do what they did at Celtic Park and is what I think they should do. And they should impose their game on Hearts and not wait on Hearts coming on them so they should press them high up the pitch and try and make hearts make mistakes because they've got enough hard working players in their team to cover gaps if they press up high the pitch yeah just on that that not so much the suitor Mulgrew debate but George I remember you saying that uh, Dundee's draw down their suitor played exceptionally well and was the, the start of a lot of the hearts attacking moves is that something? I mean, that's his. That's part of his role. He's a defender, but he's great on the ball. Is that something that the likes of Niskanen and, and Pollock can maybe capitalise on? Because Suter is a player that will move forward and take a take a wee risk here or there. There might be space to exploit. It's definitely. Although you got to watch him when when he takes that risk because he so he's finished against Dundee. That's what he can do as well. Uh, Kingsley on the other side is similar. He's maybe not quite the. Same quality as as Suter, but he's good on the ball. He's a generally a fullback rather than a centre back. So, but Dundee really struggled with those two in the first half, and then put players on them in the second half, and it seemed to stifle Hearts a wee bit. So it's certainly something that United can look at. Um, I think whether Liam Boyce plays or not is going to be a big thing for Hearts as well, because he's I think I'm such a big fan of Liam Boyce. He got injured against Dundee, and then he's he's been out since. I don't know how long he's going to. be out of the team. Um, I think that'll be a big help if he's not playing for United. But Hearts, Hearts have one in four now. It's probably a good time to play them. Oh, God, uh, it's a stats pandemic. Is, uh, <laughs> three draws and a defeat. Uh, so, plus Robbie Nielsen is technically in the stands, although he's just sitting about three foot behind the, the dugout. Uh, in the press box. Um, I noticed he's sitting in the press box and I, I, as much as I think Robbie is a gentleman, he's a great book guy, but having been in that press box, I just wish it would rain <laughs> and he could see how soaked all the all the media get in that big open stand. It's the worst press box <laughs> in the country. It's the newest one and the worst one. Slightest bit of rain, you're soaked through in the warm-up. Well, that's what they've put these plastic things that look like fish tanks. So if anybody saw a picture of Robin Nielsen, that's what that is. <laughs> I look like I know you look like he was hiding behind yeah. the screen so the referee couldn't see him. But I know that that's to keep the rain off your laptop. Yeah, it's call me selfish. I was always more concerned about keeping the rain off myself. <laughs> but no, I think it's. I'm really interested to see how United respond to to the defeat because obviously they lost it against St. Johnson, but there's a way to lose and and they. If you're going to lose, having a goalie it puts on a masterclass is the way to do it. George uh, takes your stats and hits you with a cliche there, Ewan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my role over the past few weeks. I'm over the moon for you, son. Yeah. Uh, we'll start taking stats on how many cliches he uses over the course of the season. <laughs> oh, do you think Opta would do that? <laughs> oh, I, I really No, hope not. Um, I think it could be a good time... Uh, to take on Hearts and, and it's about how United respond to that defeat if, if they can kind of get the 
a good run back going before the international break. That'd be good timing. Uh, and obviously they would go ahead of hearts on the table, which is always handy. As Ewan says, it should be a cracking game at Tynecastle. And on the subject of Ewan, just so that we get rid of his petted lip, after this we'll be speaking about one of his favourite topics. Right, Ewan, I let you down last week when I cut you off, but time had run out. Time's not a great thing that I care about, but I had run out. So go and tell us about Arbroath then. Oh, wow, magic. It's only taken me a few shows to get to talk about my favourite <laughs> subject. Um, Arbro- what can you say about Arbroath? Right? In all honesty, right, Arbroath have been absolutely phenomenal, over, not just this season, but over the last few years. Um, and in the last week, they've had some cracking results. I mean, uh, I I paid for Inverness Cali TV the other night, um, fifteen pounds. How the was the quality was, of the streaming? Yeah, it, it was really good, and I'll be honest, it was dreadful last season because I paid for it last season, and they were using one of those pixel cameras where it's supposed to follow the ball, but it tracks everything else instead. Um, Listen, I should use- point out as a as as a former employee, they get that money back on their expenses, you know. Oh, I don't. I didn't realise that, but I don't know if I get paid to watch our broth, To be honest with you, but there you go. Um, but you know, they, they I were, had more studious claims than that. You, <laughs> they were, they were, they were outstanding up at Inverness. Um, they won. They deserved to win that game one 0 But at the weekend, again, I've seen the stream because I did. I did see it after the fact, and my son goes along to Gayfield, and um, uh, they were the better side on on Saturday. You know, and, and I think four two probably was was a fair result and it's absolutely terrific to see Bobby Lynn back in the side again and doing what he does best and scoring wonder goals. I mean, there's what what can you say about Bobby Lynn? Thirty six years old and he still plays the game with the enthusiasm of a of a 23, 24 year old, you know. He, he goes with course he's from Charlie. Bit. He's a Charleston boy. Of course he's happy. Of course he's enthusiastic. We love life. <laughs> but you talk. You, you talk. to you then, Tom. <laughs> I was an exception. <laughs> I mean, we, we spoke about him. He's obviously he has probably done his most famous bin man, isn't he? You know, we know that we know that he's up and down with the bins, and that's keeping him fit. You know, the the bins is keeping him fit. But so well, the other thing that's keeping him fit is is running up and down the Law Hill. I mean, I did a story in the summer there about how uh, on some days when he when he takes into account his working day. Um, uh, he's training with Arbroath and also the runs he does he can do over 40,000 steps on his Fitbit which for anybody that's had a Fitbit that's not an easy task <laughs> well I, I have to challenge you there partly because he's a Charleston boy but um, a few weeks ago there was a shout from a bin lorry and all I could see was a pair of feet on the dashboard and it was only when I craned my neck it was Bobby wasn't I running up and down carrying bins that day <laughs> he looked very laid back I'm sure it was yeah. a well-deserved break he was having in the cab. But talking of talking of elder statesmen of the game, the manager down at Arbroath, Dick Campbell, what a job he does. And uh, an enthusiasm, Dick's what, 67, 68 now? 67, yeah, I think. And the the last thing I want you to do in this podcast is to link him with the Dunfermline job, to be honest with you, because I think I'm fed up seeing that all the time. Um, because there is a part of me inside that thinks that that probably is the only job in Scottish football if he was offered it right now that he would take Uh, because, I mean, he's got a fantastic board uh, at Broth that we cannot 
we cannot speak about the achievements on the park without talking about what's happening behind the scenes at Arbroath. I mean, they're doing wonder stuff. I mean, we've seen this week that they've they've managed to prize Paul Reid, who has been commercial director at Dun United for 22 years. Um, he's moved across to, to Arbroath to take a, a similar role at Arbroath. And the, that's a newly created post at Arbroath. And the reason they've created that is because they want to increase their revenue streams because they want to continue challenging at the top end of the championship. And they've got a top um, man. And They've Paul got a top. Well. Ma- I mean, I mean, Dick Cam, thirty-four years as he a manager in the game. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but thirty-four years as a manager in the game. I mean, is what is he's achieved so much in the game? I mean, he's he's just and he continues to, even though he's an old school manager, he's able to to still put out teams against the teams that are you know basing everything around their sports science or their, their statistics and everything like that. He's just got this man management skill. He picks good players and he makes them play for him. And that's the that's for me, that's the simple formula to win in a football match. If a player is going to give 100% for you and you know that they've got talent and you put them in the right position, then you're likely to, to win more games than not. But is that not called tactical mouse? I mean, Dick Campbell makes a big thing about it. it's a game yeah. and you get out there and it's about the players, but, yeah, but I don't he's a I, smart I, I, operator I, tactically, isn't he? Is, he is, he is, but what, what you're saying, it's it's not rocket science, you know, is it? It's, it's just putting, putting the, the right pegs in the right holes and getting them to go and do what they're supposed to do and making sure they understand what the instructions are and they take it on board and making sure they've got the desire to pull on the jersey and play for the club every single time. You talk about Bobby Lynn... Uh, Dundee were down there last season and I, 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 I think the game finished in a draw. But Bobby Lynn was on the bench and he came on with about yeah, 20 minutes to go. And his demeanour coming on the park, it just lifted the place. You know, he, he, he came on, but he, he was sprinting for everything. He was sprinting. The ball went out for a throw and he was sprinting to take it, do things quickly. And it's an attitude that Arbroath have got right from, you know, right across the park and, you know, in the dugout and, you know, upstairs as well, probably. I always remember, you're talking about Arbroath, and I think they do. Where they are in, in the football and world and the size of the club they are, they do need to increase revenue to keep themselves in the position, the lofty position that they are in at this point in time. There's no doubt about that. And I remember years ago when, when Dave Bakey, you know, did so well at Tayport and, and various other, other clubs and ended up at Arbroath. And, you know, I'm led to believe that you had Arbroath going particularly well at the time, but Dave Bakey's ambition was greater than that of the Arbroath board at that point in time. They were not... To protect the club and they were not to willing, the regime yes, at the time. Yes, of course, of take course. The gamble. Dave, Dave was trying to bring in players that they were not prepared to put shell out contracts for. So it's good to see that they're maybe thinking, well, we can. We can stay here where we are. Although we're maybe punching above our weight, why shouldn't we stay here? You know, the, the, you know, if you're doing the right things, you know, there's no reason why you can't continue to be successful. But Dick Campbell, what a man. I mean, I mean, there, there's a book to be written there, you, and you're just the man to get on to it, I would think. <laughs> half of it would have to be redacted, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just half of it? Oh, God. I'd, I'd end up with ambitions of writing a 400-page book and end up with half a page or something like that to redact, <laughs> redact all the sweary words. Great stuff. See, you and I've made you doubly happy this week. What more could you ask for? I'm thrilled. There's a wee, there's a wee, there's a ready Brett, a ready Brett glow to you just now. You're so happy that you got to speak about, you got to speak about Dick and Arbroath. Not in that order. Anyway, thanks very much. That's all we've time for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. 
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to the Tilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>